This is episode 399 with Lark Davis. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Guess what, my friends? My third physical book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy, is out right now. I am so excited and I cannot wait for you to read it. Honestly, I could not be more proud of Comparisonitis. Number one, New York Times best-selling author and social media sensation Jay Shetty said, Never before has a book been more needed. Future generations will thank Melissa for shining a spotlight on comparisonitis. And multiple New York Times best-selling author Gabby Bernstein said, Since Melissa refers to people who have recovered from comparisonitis as unicorns, I suppose that makes this book a sort of unicorn training manual. I'm so grateful that such a manual has arrived. It's been infinitely helpful to me. My hope is that the same holds true for you. If you want to finally free yourself from comparison, fall madly in love with yourself and experience genuine deep happiness like never before, this book is for you. If you want to be a better friend, partner, parent, family member, colleague or human, If you want to experience genuine happiness, have more energy to go after the things that truly matter to you. If you want to free yourself from expectations, unleash your creativity, feel more liberated than you've ever felt before in your life, be free to live your life for you and no one else, feel peace deep from within, truly appreciate your body and your life, experience a radical shift towards authenticity, and unleash the courage to go after your dreams, then head to comparisonitis.com and get your copy and all my awesome extra goodies that I've created for you for free. Not only do you get the book, you will get the official Comparisonitis workbook, a gorgeous Comparisonitis wallpaper for your phone, my ebook, How to Create a Soul-Expanding Comparisonitis Book Club, Not one, but two of my brand new 8D Zentone Advanced Brainwave Technology Meditations, which will give you one hour of meditation in just 11 minutes, plus two never-been-heard-or-released-before interviews with global spiritual thought leaders. Just head to comparisonitis.com and please share the book on social media and tell me your top takeaways. I cannot wait for you to read this book. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. And no, Melissa's voice has not dropped. It's actually her very handsome husband, Nikki B. And why am I jumping on today? Well, as you guys know, Melissa is currently on maternity leave, doing a beautiful job with our little bubba, Bambi. And so I decided to jump in and do something a bit different. And this is a topic which is extremely hot right now. And what topic is that? It's cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is literally everywhere right now. Bitcoin, Dogecoin, all the things you hear about. But what does it all mean? 
And I really wanted to make sense of this because for us personally, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these different coins that you can invest in have actually made a huge impact in our life. And I've been involved in cryptocurrency investing since 2017. And it's been a really wild ride. But for me, I have seen so many friends on the sidelines as this incredible transfer of wealth, this generational wealth opportunity is passing them by. And I just didn't want to see that happen anymore. So this episode is about not giving advice at all. And I want to be really clear. This is not financial advice. There will be a disclaimer in a minute. This is literally a conversation to help you understand why this is so important right now, why this matters, why you may want to consider getting involved if it's the sort of thing which you have the appetite for. Now, the guest today is Lark Davis. Now, Lark is a YouTube influencer. He has over 365,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He's a cryptocurrency trader and analyst. He makes regular videos daily on his channel. They're amazing. He has a good sense of humor. He loves to sort of make fun of the news sometimes, but also gives incredible facts, interviews, and just the advice is really amazing. And I can honestly personally tell you that some of the things which he has, I guess, tipped us off to have done extremely well for us. So for me personally, I'm very, very grateful. So when I thought of someone to come on the show, he was my first choice. And I'm really excited that Lark said yes, not only because right now it's a very, very turbulent time in the cryptocurrency markets, but he just had a baby as well. So somehow he keeps pumping out content and also managing the demands of a newborn baby and trying to keep track of this crazy, crazy volatile market right now. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is for information purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for any investment decisions. Before making any investment, you should carefully seek independent legal, tax, and regulatory advice. In particular, you should seek the advice of a licensed financial advisor regarding the suitability of any investments that you're considering going into. Okay, so with that stuff aside, let's have a look at what we're going to talk about today. We discussed how Lark became such an expert in this space, and I was actually quite surprised to hear it. We also go into some crypto 101, such as what is Bitcoin, what is Ethereum, these sorts of things which you've probably heard about but may want to know more about. And I also want to say that whether you're really experienced or a total novice, you're going to get something amazing out of this episode. Okay, there is literally life-changing information in this episode. It's incredible. Also, we discuss, is Bitcoin bad for the planet thanks to Elon's crazy tweeting fest lately? We talk about how it's changed our lives, Melissa and I. We discuss why there are so few female investors in this space and some amazing women that you can personally look up to for inspiration and motivation if you're interested in getting involved. Luck takes us through just how disruptive this technology is. And let me tell you guys, this is so disruptive. It is crazy. And I've experienced it for myself. Some of this technology is changing the way everything operates in the world. It is the way of the future. It's so exciting. We give you some tips on where to start, how to keep your cryptocurrency safe. And we give you some really simple advice here. I share some of the ways that I personally have been investing, which I wanted to run past Lark and see what he thought. Super interesting. We go over some super cool strategies which anyone can implement 
and also share some pretty scary stories that can happen very frequently in this space. And funny enough, I found myself today fixing my own little Ledger Nano Wallet nightmare, so it can happen to anyone. And of course, we cover, how could we not, Elon Musk and his Dogecoin hype, all the craziness surrounding that. Guys, this is super exciting stuff. I know you're going to love it. Let's jump into today's episode with Lark Davis. Lark Davis, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. So before we jump into the, I guess, craziness of what's happening right now, can you tell us what did you have for breakfast this morning? (laughs) (laughs) Coffee. I've had coffee for breakfast this morning. The baby's come recently, so I was sleeping in a bit late today and I haven't had my smoothie yet. I will double do that after this interview, but just coffee so far. You and me both, because I woke up at seven o'clock, which is extraordinary for me. (laughs) Usually it's like (laughs) 4.30, 5 o'clock and we have something in common because we both have newborns. So, like, I was walking along the beach with a good friend of mine, Terrence, the other day, and I put him onto your YouTube channel a while back. And he said to me, how do people like Lark understand this market to the depth they understand it? And I went hunting for a bit more information about you to find out what your background was, and I actually couldn't find very much. So, I actually wanted to ask you, how did Lark Davis become Lark Davis, this big YouTube crypto influencer? How did that all happen? Well, I think the thing to point out here is that there are no real experts, quote unquote, in the cryptocurrency industry because it's such a new industry, right? They're not really teaching the stuff at university. I mean, they are now. You can start start getting developmental degrees in programming and things like that in the cryptocurrency industry. But so much of what we're seeing here is an entire new economy being built. So the people coming in weren't all necessarily computer scientists or macro investors, or whatever. We started to see more of those crowd come in. But How I got started off was just by starting to do it. And I think that's where a lot of people need to start. They think that there's going to be some secret ingredient and it's all just going to come to you at one time. But actually, the learning curve for cryptocurrencies is massive, massive. There's so much to learn. It's an incredible learning curve from your key management to what these cryptocurrencies actually are to how they work. And that's just for Bitcoin. Then what about Ethereum? What's all the smart contract stuff? Then you realize there's 10,000 more cryptocurrencies, and it's absolutely crazy. So how I got started was just making content. There used to be a website, and it's probably still out there. I don't know. I haven't used it in a couple of years, but it's called Steemit. Basically, it was a social media platform where you could post stuff, and other people would like your posts, and those posts would have a monetary value attached to them. So if you had a big account like your post, you would get maybe a couple dollars from their like. And if you have a lot of uh, smaller accounts like your account, well, you get a, a penny per like or whatever. And so I started doing that for fun. You know, I was going down the rabbit hole of cryptocurrencies that already bought some Bitcoin and stuff like that and was having fun with this platform and was just posting stuff like, you know, reviews of wineries that I'd been to here in New Zealand or like travel blogs and stuff like this. And, and because I was getting to Bitcoin, I started posting about Bitcoin. And those posts started to do really, really well. And people started asking questions. So I'd write new blog posts, responding to those questions. And then it got to be a lot of work writing all these posts. I thought, I'm going to start posting videos about my journey, answering some of these questions for people as well, and my sort of journey of discovery and stuff like that. And so that's where it started. And then over years, you just learn more and more and more. The more you're in the space, the more time you spend interacting with these different protocols. And you have to learn by doing. 
that's probably the the biggest takeaway from all this you have to learn by doing there's you know not a lot of great guides out there you just have to get in there and get your hands dirty and start playing around with this technology and when was that when did you start looking into bitcoin and when did you buy your first bitcoin i bought my first bitcoin in june 2017 so kind of uh just just in the the middle period of the previous bull run now i find that amazing because I've been in this for the same amount of time, but I have nowhere near as much knowledge as you. Now, I'm still kind of the go-to in my community for crypto because, you know, there's not that many people who understand it. And I think I understand a small fraction of it well enough to invest pretty successfully in it. It just seems like your depth of knowledge is way deeper. And I think that comes from obviously creating content because when you start teaching it, you've got to understand it, right? Absolutely. So obviously it's, it's a turning point, I think, in some respects right now in the market because we've seen some unprecedented corrections, I guess you could call, or a massive correction or some people calling it a crash. And before we sort of get into that, I want to get this episode out very quickly because it is so timely. But before we get into it, Melissa's audience may be very new to crypto. So I want to treat this very much like a bit of a crypto 101. And I think that would start with what is Bitcoin and, and how did it start? So Bitcoin's the tip of the spear when it comes to the cryptocurrency industry. There are, as I mentioned, like 10,000 cryptocurrencies. It's getting pretty crazy out there these days. And there's going to be probably 100,000 by the end of the decade. But Bitcoin's the tip of the spear. Bitcoin, I think, most simply, you can think of it as something like digital gold. So it sort of solved a lot of problems that had existed before in terms of trying to create a digital money with things like a double spend problem, like how do you verify that the $5 that I sent to you isn't going to be spent again. And so that's where the whole blockchain system came into place. So every 10 minutes in Bitcoin, a new block is created. Now that's just a little digital packet of data that's added into the previous chain of blocks. And you can't go back and rewrite those. Once a block has been written, that's it, finito, it's all done. And so those blocks then create a history of who sent what to who, who has how much in their account balances and things like this. And so that was the start of blockchain technology. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. It was the first currency using blockchain technology and it started an absolute revolution in terms of what has come since. So Bitcoin, in terms of functionality, it is one of the probably more basic cryptocurrencies as well. There's not a lot that you can do with Bitcoin. You can send it from point A to point B. You can use it as a bit of a, a savings account, right? But it's not a savings account that bears interest like you might have with your bank. It's more like, again, taking a, a bunch of gold and putting it in your safe at your house or something like that. So it's preserving your wealth as an inflation hedge and it's uh, you know, digital scarcity. So we know exactly how much Bitcoin there is, unlike with gold. Nobody knows how much gold there is in vaults, in jewelry, in the ground, in the universe, completely unknown number. Whereas with Bitcoin, we know there's 21 million Bitcoin. That's all there's ever going to be. So digital scarcity, digital gold, peer-to-peer censorship resistant money. And that's something that's really big too, because money is very censorship heavy. Now we're very lucky to live in modernized countries, the industrialized world, if you start going out to the developing world, it becomes very, very difficult for people to even get bank accounts, let alone uh, be able to send an international transaction without having to pay 10, 15, 20 percent 
to these rapacious middlemen, which are the remittance companies. And so Bitcoin started solving some of these problems for people where you could send money to family in Venezuela, which through a bank may not be possible because of sanctions and stuff like this. And so it's also this money that can be sent anywhere to anyone without having to ask a bank for permission. And that was, again, a massive revolution in terms of technology because no one can stop it. Governments are unable to stop this network because it is an international distributed network run by computers, millions of computers all around the world in varied locations. So it's impossible to shut down. It's really, this is just scratching the surface. We could be here for hours talking about what Bitcoin is and what it does and the potentials of the technology. But that's kind of just a brief overview of what makes Bitcoin interesting and why it's still actually the premier cryptocurrency. I think as well, it's important to quickly touch on mining because it's been such a huge thing in the news this week with Elon talking about Bitcoin being dirty for the environment, essentially, and Tesla are no longer accepting Bitcoin as a currency for Tesla, which, of course, there's much bigger motivations behind that with their carbon credits and all those sorts of things which are going on with Tesla, which is their biggest revenue driver. But, I mean, outside of all that, a quick 101 on mining, because it just sounds so weird, like you're mining Bitcoin, like what does that even mean? So in order to secure the network, you have all these different computers which are running the program. Now, in order to incentivize people for running the program, you have a reward. Now, that reward is uh, comes out with every block. It's currently 6.25 Bitcoin per block, about 6 Bitcoin per block. And so that incentivizes these miners to want to be the ones who mine the block. And so essentially what you have back in the early days, you could have your, you know, people mined Bitcoin on their laptops, right? And there's all these stories about some guy who found his laptop from 15 or from 10 years ago and then had a bunch of Bitcoin sitting on it. And he's all of a sudden super rich because he found his laptop that he mined some Bitcoin on. Now you can't mine Bitcoin on a laptop anymore. Bitcoin mining these days is done with application-specific computers. So it's basically a computer box that you plug in and it just mines Bitcoin. That's its sole purpose. Now, Bitcoin currently is the world's biggest and strongest and most secure computer network. It has, it's hard to describe how much power in terms of hashing rate is behind Bitcoin. But it would be something like if you took every grain of sand on the planet, and then added like an extra thousand planets on top of that, that's the amount of hashes that are happening every second on the Bitcoin network. So it's incredibly, incredibly secure. But all that security, all that competition to be the one who gets the blocks comes with a big, big price tag in terms of the energy being used and the e-waste. Because these computers... They're good on average for around 18 months because it's a very competitive business. These guys are always trying to get the newest and best computers to be the ones who can mine the most Bitcoin. And so there's a lot of e-waste coming through from Bitcoin. And there's also a massive energy usage. Now, the energy usage question, this is something to really, it's a big topic because so often what you see reported in the media is that, well, Bitcoin uses the same amount of energy as X country. For example, I think it's around Argentina at the moment. Now you would say, gosh, that's a disaster because all that carbon emissions and all this stuff, climate change is all going on, right? And this is all very serious conversation to be having, except that Bitcoin currently is run approximately 74% on renewables. So if Bitcoin were a country, it would be close to something, it would be ahead of Canada and just slightly behind New Zealand. It would be about three times as renewable as Australia, four times as renewable as uh, the United States. 
So it, it really depends on what kind of energy you're talking about. And Bitcoin's been really good at exploiting situations like, for example, a lot of Bitcoin is mined in central Russia. Now, there's a lot of old Soviet hydroelectric plants that were built in the center of Russia that used to run uh, aluminum smelters and things like this that aren't doing that anymore. So they're just sitting there being largely disused. And so Bitcoin miners came in and were able to exploit that underused resource in terms of electricity. Now, it's not all like that. There is some Bitcoin that's mined using, you know, coal power and stuff like this. That's the other 25, uh, 26% of the uh, total energy use here for Bitcoin. But um, I think as we move more and more towards making a green economy overall, you'll see Bitcoin continue to be a leader in this space because it has been so far. And we will continue to see the grid, actually, which becomes the actual problem, not necessarily Bitcoin being an energy hog is the problem, but it's actually about what energy you're using because Bitcoin does provide value, right? It's transactional value, it's financial value. So there's a lot of people who will say, well, Having Bitcoin, it's a waste of energy. And I don't think it's a waste of energy. It's a use of energy. Big difference in those two ideas. Yeah, it's interesting because I've also heard some statistics around how much cheaper those renewables are to use, which is why it's being used by Bitcoin miners because it's just, you know, essentially it's a how cheaply can you mine something because that's essentially the race. That's the game, right? Yep, that's it. The best, the best equipment and the cheapest energy rates. Now, we put a call out to our communities to get questions for you. And I think this is probably the most questions we've ever got nice. when we put questions out for a, for a guest, which goes to show, you know, there's a huge demand to just even understand what's going on. And some of the questions that came in were actually really surprisingly very technical. And I'm not going to go there for this interview and maybe it's a follow-up, but I wanted to keep bringing this back to some basics because it is very confusing. I'm still you know, as I said, scratching the surface with this technology. And one thing I've noticed in, I'll tell you my personal story. It's quite interesting how I got into this, right? So I was on a trip to Greece in 2017. I was going to, I took my wife on a surprise trip. It's sort of a strange surprise trip because we ended up in Athens and I was taking her to work in the refugee camps there. So it was a period in my life where I just really felt like I wanted to just get out of my comfort zone and do something for other people. And so we landed in Athens, she had no idea what we're doing. And then we ended up in these refugee camps. It was really profound, but I met a very good friend of mine in the camps there called Mike Sherbakov. And Mike, we were hanging out quite a bit afterwards. We were getting on a ferry, went to some islands and he started talking to me about crypto. Now I knew about it because literally right back when Bitcoin started, (laughs) someone gave me a pamphlet no joke, a pamphlet on how to mine Bitcoin with your laptop. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I can't remember who it was. I can remember the pamphlet. It was orange graphics. It was bizarre. Maybe they just printed offline. I don't know. But I wish, obviously, that I had paid more attention to it. I just didn't understand it. I thought, mining this thing, what? Okay. And I read it and I thought, sounds cool. But no, I I don't get it. That was my first exposure to any sort of cryptocurrency, but Mike and I spoke on this like six hour ferry ride and he just did this massive download on me on everything. And it just kind of blew my mind. I started waking up to the potential of cryptocurrencies. And like it really, I started to get it. And that's where my journey started. And when I came back from Greece, I was speaking to that same friend, Terence, and he connected me with a person in, in my local town who was part of this WhatsApp group. And so much of this happens in WhatsApp or Telegram and these sorts of apps, right? And 
it just so turned out, so he added me into this group. There was maybe 50 of us at the time, mainly Australian. And it was people at the very, very top of the financial industry. I didn't realize how much power there was in this group. And as that bull run started to really kick in around that sort of 2017 period, we were putting together, we had a syndicate, right? And we were putting together on a spreadsheet, everyone's address is going in there, how much ether you're contributing to this IDO or this whitelisting or this private sale. And we were literally raising on the daily millions of dollars between us. It was insane, right? And some of those went extremely well. Most of them did very well. And I had a weird sort of sixth sense towards the end of 2017 and I just literally liquidated everything and told them like, guys, I'm out. Like I've got a feeling this is going to blow up soon. And it did. I did get a little bit, I don't know, greedy or something, but I bought, <laughs> I bought quite a bit back in and almost sort of timed it. But I got left with a bag of, I guess, I, we don't tend to swear on this, but I'll call them shit coins. I got left with a, you know, a decent sort of bag of shit coins but did very well out of it. It actually changed our lives. you know. So I'm extremely grateful for crypto. I'm extremely grateful for landing in that WhatsApp group because I'm a musician, right? So I'm in there just learning, listening to these experts or not experts, but you know, guys who knew more than me. But today what I've noticed is in Telegram groups, WhatsApp groups, I see very, very few women, very few women represented in this space. And I'm just curious, why do you think that is? Because this is the greatest transfer of wealth maybe ever, ever. Like I've seen it in our own lives. By the way, I want to say thank you for your content because there's just been, I mean, I, I tend to sort of check quite a few different people because I like to just sort of see, you know, what's the general sentiment from people who know more than I do. But there's been a few things that you've put us onto, including my son, who's 15, and he's also investing with me. One of those was Ramp. I think we bought Ramp DeFi at maybe like four cents or something, you know, and we did very well off that. So, you know, thank you for all the the great tips. But let's talk about women because I felt so passionate about doing this episode because I want to see women. Like I speak to Melissa's friends and they just, they're curious, but they have no idea where to start. So one of the biggest questions we had was, where do I start? That's a really interesting question. And I think it's in terms of women and investing, we have seen a lot more women coming into the cryptocurrency space. I mean, there is no barriers to this. Anybody can do it, right? The question with a situation where you do have no barriers to investing is why aren't more women investing, right? And this is actually a question that you can apply to also the stock world. Why aren't more women investing in stocks? Why aren't more women investing in real estate? Why aren't more women you know, being entrepreneurs? Right. And it's an interesting dynamic. And there's a lot of, I suppose, things you can you can bring up a lot of it's anecdotal and not necessarily useful to the conversation. But certainly what I would say is that get involved. There's literally nothing stopping you. And this is the investment opportunity probably of the decade. You know, I don't want to say of the century, but definitely of the decade getting involved in cryptocurrencies. And the great thing is, is that anybody can learn about it. And if you feel like, oh, I'm not good with money, or I don't really understand finance or any of that kind of stuff, there's a lot of resources out there. The great part about cryptocurrencies is that it is an incredibly popular investing topic at the moment. So you can find information all over the place about what's going on in this very, very exciting investment class. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things I want to just get across is that anyone can get involved, right? There are no barriers to this. You can just start 
dipping your toes in, putting a bit of money in and playing around with it. Right. So that, that would be my thoughts on uh, uh, women getting involved here is that just you just got to do it. You know, and, there, and there's actually a lot of great women influencers that you can be following as well. And, you know, if you feel like because I understand, you know, having, you know, men explain finance to you all the time, that may not necessarily be what you want to be hearing. Right. But the great part is that we do have a lot more female influencers. And I've definitely noticed that with a lot of the male influencers, definitely a lot of misogynistic tendencies that come through, whether it be you know happening on the thumbnails or the way that things are talked about in content or any of this kind of stuff. It can be off-putting to women sometimes, but just understand that's not representative of the entire industry and that there are some really, really great investors who are running big investing companies that you you can look up to as role models for investors. Someone like Kathy Wood of ARK Invest, she's absolutely amazing beyond belief. So, you know, if you want those female role models to look up to as an investor, as a female investor coming into the space, it may be more useful for you to have someone that you can connect with more. And so look at someone like Kathy Wood or... um, you know, there's a lot of great uh, female influencers out there as well. So just find those voices that resonate more with you, right? Because I can certainly understand if you are a woman, you're coming in, you're seeing some of the, the some of the guys out there that, you know, they don't necessarily have very female friendly channels and the demographics of investor channels. I mean, I can tell you my demographics, it's like 93 or 94% men, right? And so I don't know if that's simply because I'm a man that men prefer watching or if it's just representative, not a lot of women entering into the investing space, but it's here for you. It's available for you. It's not that scary. Just come on, jump on in, find those great female influencers. Um, another great podcast I can recommend is Laura Shin. She does a, an amazing podcast, really just great educational content breaking down what's happening in this industry. So I'd go recommend to go and check her out as well. She's really more crypto focused than, you know, someone like Kathy Wood, who's bigger investor picture stuff. Yeah, I saw Kathy, maybe it was yesterday, the day before, saying she still believes in a $500,000 Bitcoin, which I think may have given the market a bit of confidence, her to saying that. And uh, ARK Invest bought a whole big pile of uh, Ethereum the other day. That's their first purchase of Ethereum ever. So they've kind of stayed out of Ethereum for a long time, but they bought a bunch of Grayscale's Ethereum trust recently. So that's pretty cool as well. Let's talk about Ethereum. Now, I've sort of looked at, I've never really invested in Bitcoin very much, to be to be frank. I've actually, I think when I came in, I've used altcoins, and we'll get into what altcoins are, alternative coins. I've used those, and you've said this on your channel, what's the best way to, to grow your wealth? It is to use altcoins, the smaller cap coins, and then stack that, take profits into something bigger like Ethereum or Bitcoin, which is what I do. Now, because of this particular market, I've done a little bit differently and I'll, I'll talk about what I've done. And at the front of this podcast, I've already given a big financial disclaimer. So everyone listening knows there's no financial advice going on here. But one thing I heard, I think this is a really good distinction so people understand because we'll talk about Bitcoin one more time and then go into these other coins. It was Michael Saylor. He was speaking about, and you can look up Michael Saylor if you're listening to this, just Google him. You'll see snippets come up of things he's spoken about long interviews. It's really interesting guy, massive advocate of Bitcoin. Now, he gave a great sort of description of why Bitcoin is so good. And he said it is so good because it does one thing. It does one thing and it literally is engineered perfectly to do one thing and that's it. And that is just literally a storage of wealth, which is why, as you said, it is, you know, digital gold essentially, which is why we see 
Tesla adding, was it one and a half billion or $1 billion worth of Bitcoin into the balance sheet and other companies. And we, we've got ETFs getting lodged in the States, got ETFs, which are now trading in Canada, all these sorts of things happening with Bitcoin, because it is literally perfectly engineered to do one thing really well. But that's the only one that really does one thing that well. The other ones tend to do lots of different things, right? So let's talk about Ethereum, because I think most people now would have, would have heard of Ethereum, if they're curious about cryptocurrencies. And Ethereum for me has always been my, I don't know, my darling. I've always loved Ethereum. I love what it does. I don't love the fees on the network, of course. Anyone listening to this, right now I'm participating in a lot of IDOs and I'll, that's a whole other thing we won't get into today. But I'm a, I'm a very big holder of a certain token which gives me access to lots of IDOs. But some of the fees, like I, was, I spent $500 on a transaction the other day. It was a very good investment, so it was all, all, all good. But let's talk about Ethereum. Like, What is Ethereum and why is it different to Bitcoin and why is it so big? Why, why is it, where's this adoption coming from? So Ethereum is it's one of the cryptocurrencies I think gets me most excited in the cryptocurrency space. I mean, I'm a big Bitcoin fan. I've got a massive amount of Bitcoin in my portfolio. But as you said, Bitcoin kind of just does one thing and it does that one thing really, really well. But that's kind of what Bitcoin does. It's where, it's where it ends at. But the potential for blockchain technology, for cryptocurrency technology, to be able to disrupt a massive amount of things goes so far beyond just a store of value, right? So for all the gold bugs and the macro investor types and all this sort of personalities, your gold 2.0, that's a great thing to get your hands on. But we look at Ethereum and it does so many interesting things. I mean, it's more of, I look at Ethereum as being like the Apple of the cryptocurrency industry because it's got all these great products that it offers and it it's this settlement layer of the internet and right now we're actually seeing ethereum on a regular basis settling twice the amount of value on any given day than bitcoin does because on ethereum you have this revolution which is called smart contracts so smart contracts are just you know basically contracts that wear glasses right but uh, no, seriously, the smart contracts are basically automated contracts. So they allow you to have this richer functionality with your blockchain. So what we see, for example, are stable coins. Those are dollar tokens. So they can be linked to usually the US dollar, but there are stable coins for basically every major currency at this point. You can have decentralized finance products. So if you imagine the process of going to your bank and taking a loan, that could take days, weeks, lots of meetings, lots of paperwork, lots of BS. If you do that using decentralized finance, you can actually go get a loan versus your Bitcoin or maybe your Ethereum using it as collateral. You can actually have a loan in 10 minutes. So it's completely revolutionary technology. So borrowing and lending markets are absolutely going crazy. And that's only possible because of the smart contracts offered on Ethereum. Now, there are plenty of other networks that are coming out that are not named Ethereum that are offering smart contract functionality, that are offering access to decentralized finance. But right now, we've seen the majority of developers. Ethereum has about four times more developers than the next nearest blockchain, which happens to be Bitcoin. And so it's got a 10 to 20x lead on the majority of other major smart contract platforms. So it's got the brain power, it's got the liquidity. So that's to say that there is more money sitting on the Ethereum blockchain than on all the other blockchains, uh, basically combined in terms of things like stablecoin value and um, other things that are coming to the network. And, and again, it's just, it just the rabbit hole goes so incredibly deep. With Ethereum, it's probably the most exciting network in the cryptocurrency space right now, which is why we see a lot of investors, like I just mentioned, ARK Invest, starting to finally invest into Ethereum. 
One interesting thing, too, is that Ethereum, the new Ethereum is going through an upgrade, and it's going to do what's uh, called proof of stake. So this allows you to take your Ethereum cryptocurrency, lock it up, and get more Ethereum cryptocurrency. So the rate right now is around 7%. Now, this is very different from Bitcoin because with Bitcoin, as I mentioned, you have to have these application-specific computers, which cost thousands of dollars a piece. You have to have dirt-cheap electricity. So, for example, me here in New Zealand, impossible to mine Bitcoin. I mean, it's possible to do it, but I would be just losing money by doing it because my power is so expensive here. Whereas somebody, you know, in central Russia or whatever, they can access that cheap power. But with Ethereum, anybody, anywhere who can afford to buy some Ethereum and then can lock it up, you can get that 7% uh, annual staking reward paid out in more Ethereum. So there's a lot of interesting reasons why investors are starting to take more and more notice of Ethereum. It is the premier smart contract platform, the staking rewards, the tokenomics, the economics of what's happening to the cryptocurrency at the moment with the current upgrades. So it's very exciting. And also, I'm not sure if this is actually 100%, but will Ethereum become a deflationary asset? Yes. It will. So currently, um, Ethereum's annual inflation rate is like 4.5%. Mm-hmm. There is an upcoming, a few upgrades that are coming that are going to change that up quite a bit. There is um, what's called the triple halving, where the inflation rate is going to go down to around 0.5%. And there's also an upcoming mechanism, which is called the Ethereum Improvement Proposal 1559, which is actually going to start burning uh, the fees from Ethereum or certain fees from Ethereum. So every time you transact on the Ethereum network, you have to pay to use the network. And so with this improvement upgrade, we're going to see a situation where those fees or a portion of those fees are going to start being burned, which means that they get basically just you know thrown away. So those fees that you'd be paying to the network, they get thrown away. And so essentially that means that over time, you're going to see a situation where the Ethereum asset actually becomes deflationary and there becomes less and less of it available on the open markets because of these um, market forces of the deflation and also the lowered inflation rates. Which again is going to make it much more attractive to institutional investors, right? Because they don't want want anything that's inflationary, ideally. Yeah. Just jumping in to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Paleo Valley. Now, I love companies that are doing great things to help others become healthier and happier like Paleo Valley. For me personally, I love their organic super greens and I love adding it to my smoothies so that I know that I'm getting even more goodness every single day. It's kind of like an insurance policy for me, which is why I love it. Now, Paleo Valley and I both believe that everything you put into your body is an opportunity to either detract from your health or improve it. And now is the time to make your health a priority. Use the code MELISSA at the checkout to get 15% off anything in the store. Now, let's get back to this conversation. Coming back to the disruption of this whole industry, because for me, okay, here's an example. And I know that you promote BlockFi on your, on your channel. I think there may be a sponsor. Now, BlockFi, next though, there's different platforms where you can basically take your cryptocurrencies, certain cryptocurrencies, you can put them into their platform. And you can 
essentially earn interest on them. Now, I think BlockFi is paying what, 4 or 5% at the moment on Bitcoin and Ethereum, something like that. Nexo is... A th- yeah, I think it's 5% on Bitcoin, 4.5% on Ethereum right now. And Nexo is very similar, maybe half or a percent more. No, I, I put all mine into Nexo. And there was a point where I saw an opportunity with Polkadot. Now, Polkadot is another chain. It's something which I'm really excited about. And interestingly enough, it's another thing that really, if you look at a lot of these tokens, they aren't actually fully functional, but they're worth billions of dollars. Now, Polkadot, Polkadot's kind of in that place, but we know that Polkadot's got massive, massive um, uses coming up very soon in, in probably around August when they launch their parachains. A whole other discussion there, right? But big can of worms, the parachains, but very, very exciting stuff. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Polkadot. And I saw this opportunity. I, I looked at um, the disproportionate value of some of these other ones and then Polkadot, this is months ago, and I thought, God, that Polkadot is just going to go. It's going to go. And so I didn't want to put any more cash into the market because I put cash in mm, middle of last year, not very much, and it's managed to grow at an incredible rate. And that's, that's the amazing thing about crypto, right? And this is a lot of the questions I get. But isn't it really volatile? I say, yes, it is volatile, but that's how you make money if you're smart, right? And when I say make money, I don't even look at it like I'm making money. I'm growing a portfolio of alternative assets, right? Because yes, I saw this opportunity. I had a bunch of Ethereum sitting in this Nexo platform. And I thought, okay, I've never played with any leveraged money. I've never borrowed money, but I can see this is going to go. I don't want to put any more cash in. Let's just give it a go. And I took out a fair, you know, a fair amount. But the process, this is where it's so disruptive, right? I think I may, for the ID part of Nexo, I might have uploaded my passport or something like really simple, take five minutes, right? It's not like applying for a mortgage or a personal loan. And I literally clicked like borrow (laughs) and borrowed 50% against my portfolio. Literally, I clicked a button. Yep, in a few minutes. To access a lot of money, so to speak. It's not really money, but that process, it wasn't until I actually did it that I sort of went, oh, hang on a second. I just took out all that currency. I invested it in this other thing. Actually, no, it wasn't Polkadot, actually. It was something else because I knew that I could put it back in there. So I, I invested it in another currency. I took that currency, put it back into Nexo. So then I was earning on that. Once this grew, I sold it, paid off that loan, and I did it with a few clicks of a few buttons. Now that, to me, is the power of just one little area of crypto, right? It's incredible. And what you know, the crazy part is, is that uh, Nexo is actually a centralized platform, which has a great user experience. But you could have done all of that using something like MakerDAO, and it wouldn't have had to put your ID in. You could have just done it all without any KYC at all. And so this is the thing is like for us, again, you know, in in modern developed countries, it's a great service. But if you are somebody living in, you know, a developing country, you know, you're not able to KYC on these platforms. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to a a situation like using MakerDAO and you can do that process, get that money without any centralized bodies to say, no, you're not allowed to do that because it's just software running. And that's the very exciting part about this technology. So there's just so many options. And look, these services like Nexo and BlockFi and Celsius, they're great because they're super easy for beginners to use. And you also don't have to deal with any of the complexities of trying to do these smart contract interactions because realistically, even though the applications are getting much, much better in 2021, it's still a big learning curve to do this Whereas using these platforms makes it so easy. 
It's so easy. And it is ridiculously easy. Even using the centralized services, it can take a couple of clicks and a couple of minutes to do something that would take weeks at a bank. Yeah. And let's just touch on decentralized and centralized because, for example, if you look at the American dollar, it's obviously a very centralized currency. And if you look in the cryptocurrency space, because this is another question I had a lot is, what app or what platform do I use to buy? And I say to people, well, it kind of depends on what you want to do. It's like there's no there's no simple answer for that. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest, if not, well, probably the biggest would be Binance. There's, Binance has access to a lot of different tokens, a lot of them very high quality, a lot of them aren't as well. But Binance is an example of, of they call it a centralized, no, a, is it centralized, decentralized or decentralized, centralized? Like it's a cent- it's a cent- Binance is a centralized exchange. They do have a a, a semi decentralized blockchain that they also um, work with. So that's that's a different conversation. But um, yeah, you do have these centralized and decentralized services. And look, when it comes to the concepts of decentralization, it's not a black and white issue, right? There's always shades of gray within that conversation. You know, how decentralized is the supply? How decentralized is the node network? Is it decentralized enough for you to feel comfortable putting your money on there, et cetera, et cetera? And look, for most people, this stuff doesn't really matter. I mean, it's important in terms of the technology, but for your average investor, they are an investor. They're here to make money because they see the profit potential of the cryptocurrency asset class. But the more and more you dive down the rabbit hole, things like how decentralized is this thing that I'm putting my money into do become important because like with Bitcoin, Bitcoin's highly decentralized. You can rely on the network that there's not any person on the other end making decisions which could go against your investments. Some of these other networks might be run by 10, 12, 15 nodes that are run by companies and they might make decisions that could be counter to what you as an investor would like to see happening. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, which is the whole power of this whole space is decentralizing almost anything really in the real world. We're moving towards a world where even government could be decentralized. I want to jump into some questions to really help people get started because I think that's the real power of this conversation is giving them understanding, but also like where do they start? So let's talk about platforms and apps. Someone says, where do I get started? Where do I buy something? And as I say, because I'm having a conversation, I can ask them what do they want to achieve? So it's a bit different. But for broad general advice, where what's the easiest place for someone to buy cryptocurrencies? Well, it's partially country dependent because not all exchanges are in every country. But I would say for anyone in the United States who's listening to this, your best option's probably going to be Coinbase. Um, it's one of the biggest exchanges in the world. And for anyone outside of the USA, your best option's probably going to be Binance. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the two options that are the centralized exchanges, but they make the process super easy. You can buy with a credit card, you can send a bank transfer through, you get access to a whole big wide range of cryptocurrencies that are on offer on their platforms. They also offer you different services on those platforms. So these exchanges often allow you to do things like staking your cryptocurrencies. So you don't have to go out and download a separate wallet and withdraw it from the exchange. You just click stake and you start earning rewards in the platform itself, so in on the exchange. So that's probably the easiest way for people to start getting involved. And look, depending on what country you live in, depending on how tech savvy you are, there's lots of different options out there for you. But I would say that those two options, depending on if you're in or out of the USA, would be the best to start off with the easiest user experience in terms of getting involved. There's also the crypto.com app, which I think is an interesting one to talk about because there's also the crypto.com credit card. 
not credit card, sorry, uh, Visa card, essentially, which is quite an interesting concept because you can you can be earning interest, you can be staking things on the crypto.com platform, which is just an app on your phone, earning that back and actually then spending it using the card, which I think is, again, revolutionary. No idea how that's going to get, I guess, governed by <laughs> governments, essentially, because that's an interesting tax conversation. And this is another really common question is tax. I'm not going to just give tax advice here, but when you monitor every single transaction, it is, there's software that does it for you, of course, but this is like, you're trading a lot of different things. If you're in the actual trading space, you're trading constantly. Like I'm doing multiple trades a day. I'm not doing hundreds, but it gets very confusing, right? Not keep track of everything and I've got a great accountant, right? But what about tax? How does this work in the real world when you've got this decentralized thing and then you've got this, you know, but I live in Australia and I pay tax over here. And what's the story with that? Well, I think the the long and short of it is it's just it varies so much from every jurisdiction because in some countries you're able to do transactions, you're able to spend your cryptocurrency, not have it be taxed. In some countries you have to think, okay, well, if I make capital gains on my transactions, so I'm going to go out and buy, you know, a uh, a new phone using Bitcoin or whatever, and it's going to cost 500 bucks. But then I've also earned on that Bitcoin. So now I've got to take the tax out on top of that for what I earned on. And so it gets to be very complicated in some situations. So definitely find an accountant who knows what the heck they're talking about. That's probably one of the most important things you can do. I would really like to see regulators catch up to the space. Unfortunately, they're still a few years behind in most countries in terms of how they're regulating things, how they're adapting to the space. Because this is the thing is the technology is moving way, way faster than uh, regulators can keep up. So um, yeah, I wish there was a, a silver bullet for the tax conversation. But unfortunately, there isn't just pay your taxes, do your best. And um, yeah, <laughs> Pay taxes, get a good accountant, get a good accountant. Yeah, literally, that's what it comes down to. And I've got a great one, which has been a lifesaver for me. I mean, one of the, again, common questions is, well, what do I buy? What's the best place to start? Where shall I invest? And again, when different people ask me, and this is not financial advice, but I'm going to throw out some ideas because I think it's interesting to share what I tell my friends. And for me, it always comes down to, well, how much time are they actually going to spend doing it, understanding it? It's so different for every single person. And I, I've got a few different, I guess, strategies I'd love to float by you to get your thoughts. For sure. Because I try to keep it really simple for people. And the first thing is, if the person doesn't want to, they don't plan on selling anything, they don't want to trade, you know, they just want to kind of make it really, really simple. They just want to have their, their toes wet in some way in this market. I always explain to them the concept of dollar cost averaging. Now, Dollar cost averaging essentially means, and you can do this over whatever time frame you want. It could be weekly, monthly, whatever. But let's say every month you have a thousand dollars and you want to actually put that in the in the markets. I would say, okay, take that thousand dollars. Let's split it into two. Five hundred dollars by five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, five hundred dollars worth of Ethereum, and just keep doing it. You don't have to check your portfolio. Just make sure your assets are safe, and we'll come to wallets in a second and where to store it just keep doing it, right? Don't even worry about the ups and downs because that's the point of dollar cost averaging because you'll be buying in a low market, in a high market, in a medium market. You'll be buying it in all different types of markets and eventually it kind of just averages out. And I think that honestly, if I look back to people I've told to do that for the last few years, they're probably doing better than the majority of traders right now. 
right? So that would be my first one. I can see you're nodding your heads. You're probably agreeing with that to some extent. Any comments on dollar cost averaging? Yeah, I would just say it's the, it's the old saying, time in the market is better than timing the market, right? And that really comes back to the idea of dollar cost averaging. Just put a bit of money in, take the long-term view, because most people don't take a long-term view on the market, because the reality is that some people do basically get rich overnight in crypto. But here's the reality of people getting rich overnight in crypto. Those are like the one in 100,000, the one in a million. That's like a lottery ticket, right? The guy who buys some random coin today, and in a week's time, he cashes out you know, his $1,000 investment for 10 million bucks, that does happen. But it happens to almost nobody, 99.99% of people who try to get rich overnight end up getting broke overnight. And the people who are uh, trading and have no idea how to trade, I mean, trading's a, trading's a, it's an art form, it's a skill, it, it takes a lot of time to learn the indicators and understand how to manage a risk on trades and all this stuff. But most people come in, start, well, I'm just going to start trading. I see other people doing it, it must be super easy. But the reality is that 90% of people lose 90% of their trading account within the first 90 days. Those are approximate numbers, but it gives you an idea of the odds that you're up against if you want to come in and be a trader, not knowing anything about trading. Mm. Whereas the majority of investors, the people who dollar cost average in over time, end up after you know four or five years having massive, massive gains. Yeah. So you can keep it really simple, keep your life low stress and just the dollar cost average. And it is definitely the easiest way to be an investor in the space. It's the most stress-free as well. Like I said, keep it to the simple stuff, right? You can go off chasing your whatever random coin of the week. But if you're just investing in a bit of Bitcoin, a bit in Ethereum, you know, don't expect to get 100x gains out of this, but you can expect some respectable gains over the next you know, years. We're talking about investing versus gambling here. And when we're talking about investing, keeping it safe and simple is probably the way to go. Yeah. The, what I have seen is the majority of people are gambling, literally straight up gambling um, and also gambling with more money than they're comfortable with. And that is the next thing to talk about. Now, the amount of actual real world cash I've put into this market is money, which I'm very comfortable losing. Now, we are, as we're speaking, we've just gone, we're in the middle of a massive correction, 54% from its all-time high Bitcoin. Bizarre narratives happening right now with Elon talking about the environment and Tesla and Dogecoin and like all this stuff, right? China banning, which isn't really even a ban. The stories get so hyped up into something they're not. The whole China banning thing is just ridiculous, right? Because that's not even what, they didn't even do that, right? They were just reiterating previous statements. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, it gets clicks. So that's what gets run. And it's this whole fear cycle that gets perpetuated. But the other thing is what you can do in these markets. Well, that was the first rule is don't put in more than you're willing to lose because I've been super comfortable going through this with a smile on my face. I've had people contacting me. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, nothing. Just chill. Just chill out, right? Because if it all goes, if it goes into a true bear market, well, I'll just chill out for the next few years and whatever I've got in my portfolio will be what it will be in a few years, you know, just let it grow. But you must only put in what you're willing to lose because it is, no matter how sophisticated you are, there's always an element of gambling because it's a volatile market, right? Yes. Well, investing is risk-taking, right? If you don't want to take any risks, don't invest at all, which is still a risk, but it's a different kind of risk. If you are investing, you are taking a risk. The question is, is it a calculated risk or is it an uncalculated risk based on, you know, gambling and hope? 
right? So when we talk about calculated risks, this is what we're discussing. Keeping it safe, taking your profits, not putting in more than you can afford to lose, which is a rule that a lot of people break. And I would want to add one thing on top of that. Please do not buy crypto on your credit cards. No, I... I know a lot of people are doing this and it is just, it's a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, yes, some people have done that successfully. I've seen people do that and it can work out for you. Most people, like with getting rich overnight, most people don't make money by buying crypto on their credit cards. Some people do, most people don't. Because here's the reality of markets. The markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Mm-hmm. So when those the market's down, those credit card bills start coming due, you're down 50, 60% on your investments, you're forced to sell them at a loss because you have to pay the credit cards, you have to pay the rent, you're losing, losing, losing. So please don't risk more than you can afford to risk and certainly don't buy on credit. Good point. And also, depending on where you're situated, if you're buying, say, something on a credit card using crypto.com, then you'll be paying international transaction fees. <laughs> so yes, as well. And and a lot of credit card companies take them as a cash advance, which you pay interest, higher interest on. So it is, it is a scary place to be. I want to come back to the strategies. Now, the other one, and when I say dollar cost averaging, it could be Bitcoin and Ethereum, 50-50. It could be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Kusama, some of these other ones, maybe Chainlink, some of these really solid ones that you could dollar cost average the whole thing, the ones that you think are going to be around long enough to build wealth. For me personally, if I look at what do I really believe is going to be around in, say, at least five years, at least five years, I would be going with Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Chainlink. Yes, there's more than that, but I'd probably almost stop there, like five things I'd feel pretty comfortable with. You know, you could talk about Cosmos, you could talk about all these other things, but Polygon. Yeah, there's a lot of options out there. I think it's important to kind of keep it simple because here's something that I think is not talked about enough when we talk about cryptocurrency investing for most people. This is probably not going to be 100% of your investment portfolio. Maybe you have an investment property. Maybe you've got some stocks. Maybe you've got some precious metals, whatever it might be. So if we're talking about the time you can actually dedicate to this market and the amount of your portfolio that we're talking about here, maybe it's 5% of your investment portfolio. Maybe it's 10%. And in that situation, you're not going to want to have 50 different altcoins or 20 different altcoins even because you don't have the time to chase it around. I've got more than 20 coins in my portfolio, but this is my full-time job, (laughs) right? This is my full-time job. I'm living, breathing it 24-7. If you're not, if you're just a casual investor and you don't have hours a week to devote to this, then keep it super simple. Stay with those top coins, exactly like you've just mentioned there. Maybe four or five of them, right? You don't have to just do Bitcoin and Ethereum, but just, again, keep it simple. Now, I mean, all coins are exciting. We haven't really touched them very much. Like a lot of these, anything other than Bitcoin technically is called an altcoin, right? But there's different sized altcoins. If you look at Cardano, BNB, which is by Binance, all these different ones at the very top, the top sort of five coins, they're still altcoins, but they're large cap altcoins. They're more stable. You know, they're going to be around longer. But then when you get into the smaller ones, let's talk about uh, one that did very well for me recently. It was called AOZ. AIOZ. I was involved in the IDO of that. Um, there's been a few AOS um, mm-hmm. blind boxes. You've spoken about all these tokens. You know them all. And some of these did more than 100x for me personally. But as you said, I'm watching this stuff, right? Now, I'm, I'm a musician. I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I don't really have a job as such. You know, I have the time and the space to look at stuff and to, to try and time things, but I still get it wrong. 
right? I still make mistakes all the time, but sometimes they go really right. Like you get a, I think ALs is like 130X, something ridiculous, right? Which is exciting when it happens. But that is definitely the exception. It is it is so rare to get that right. And that's why I say keep it simple. And come the next bull cycle, Lark, I'm going to tell you one thing. Yes. What am I going to do differently? And I'll, I'll ask you the same question. What will I do differently? I'm not going to play in small caps in the next market, right? Because I have seen, I knew what portfolio was like before I started going into the smaller caps. And it was mainly Ethereum. Actually, you know what? It was mainly Ethereum. Now, if I had just left it where it was and they were all sort of purchased around two or $300, if I just left it where it was, I'd be way up from where I am right now and I would have done nothing, right? But I have had a great education in this bull market, which has been great. But as I said, you can go into more tokens and there's one more strategy I wanted to sort of float by you. And that is someone who's got a little bit more time it's still really simple, and that would be still looking at these top ones I mentioned before, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Chainlink, some of these ones. Still looking at the main ones, but instead of just leaving it and dollar cost averaging, you would be essentially trying to time, which is very hard to do, as you and I know, and we've seen this correction burn most people in the market, trying to time the top, right, or close to the top. So what I will do personally in this cycle, if it goes back up to where it could go, I will probably exit most of my positions, if not all of them, into Bitcoin so that I have everything sitting in one place where it's really easy to just to, to get out in one click of a button because Bitcoin has enough quiddity, enough volume to just sell it with one click. What I will then do is I'll exit into US dollar coin. Okay, so US dollar coin is a stable coin which is pegged to the value of the US dollar. Is every one US dollar coin, there's one US dollar being held, okay, which is different to US dollar tether. And I'm just going to chill for the next few years and I'm just going to watch. I'm going to be sitting there with my US dollar coin in Nexo or another platform earning interest. And then I'll re-enter the market with it US dollar coin. Now I've got the time and the space to do that. And you have to know what you're doing to do that. What are your thoughts on that sort of, I guess, it's still a very simple strategy, right? But you've got to get it right. It is a simple strategy and you do have to get it right. And I think one of the things that um, helps you kind of reduce the anxiety around such a move is actually consistently taking profits on coins that you know you're not going to be holding forever. And so one thing that I do is I'm just with, with all the altcoins. So I look at like um, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum in particular. Those are coins that I'm not necessarily planning on selling. I've you know got a big enough portfolio that I can ride those assets for years and I don't necessarily need to try to swing trade those or anything. But with all the altcoins, it's basically everything is on the chopping block. And I might have a couple of those that if I think the revenue models are sufficient enough, I might stay in. But the majority of those coins are quite speculative. And you've mentioned uh, the names of a few different altcoins during our conversation here. And the reality is, is that with uh, altcoins, what we're talking about here are startups, essentially. And if you look at the startup world, what happens with the startup world? Nine out of 10 startups fail. And this is exactly what happened in 2017. Nine out of 10 crypto startups failed. And they fail for different reasons. Sometimes they were a scam. Sometimes the team just can't deliver. Sometimes it's just the right idea, wrong time, whatever it might be. And so when you start realizing this, you start looking at your investments in these highly speculative altcoins a bit differently because you start to realize, well, I need to make sure that I'm taking my profits out here on these things. So when I see this coin go up by 5x, for example, you can take 20, 30, 40% of your position out. You've got your initial capital back. So now it's totally worry-free. You've made some money on it. 
So you're chilling, right? You, you got some profits, you got your money back out of it. So now what's left is your moon bag, right? So that's whether it goes up or down, it's just you're going to make more or less money. You're not actually risking your hard-earned money that you, you busted your back for working for hours, right, to get that money. That money's been taken out of the market. You're now chilling with this moon bag, and you can keep selling that off too. And I think one thing that's, you know, because it's so hard to time the top exactly, right, and it's so hard to time the bottom exactly. I, I like to say you don't need to get the top. You don't need to get the bottom exactly when you realize that the majority of the money in the market is made in the middle of those two points, right? So as the market continues to go up, you take some more money off the table, take some more money off the table. So now, you know, your, your investment's gone up another four or five X, which, you know, we're talking in crypto terms here. That's insane. When we talk about relation to the stock market, or the property markets or the metals markets, this is the kind of gains that are pretty typical actually in the cryptocurrency industry. So your coin goes up another five X, you take another 20, 30% out, whatever your numbers might be. And, you know, you keep, that in Bitcoin, or you keep that in a stable coin, which is what I tend to do. I tend to take my profits from these more speculative altcoins, dump it into Bitcoin, dump it into stable coins, put both of those into earning accounts like on BlockFi or in decentralized finance applications. You can actually get better rates in decentralized finance applications, but the risk parameter is different. So again, if you're you know newer to the market, stick with those centralized applications like BlockFi or Nexor Celsius. It's much safer overall for you. But yeah, you just you keep you keep the money moving around because what happened in 2017 was that a lot of people got really, really rich on paper. And they never clicked the sell button. And then they people who had seven or eight digit portfolios went down to having four or five digit portfolios within the space of six to eight months. And that is the famous volatility of the cryptocurrency market. So that is why my strategy is just continually moving money out of the market, out of those speculative positions and into, you know, the big boys into Bitcoin, into Ethereum or into USDC uh, dollar stable coins. Obviously, you can move them into platforms and on interest, but you can also just keep them in wallets. So let's talk about wallets because this is a huge thing. There's a story of one of the guys in our WhatsApp group who bought thousands of Ethereum at pennies when it first came out and lost his password like he did he no longer had access to his to the wallet he was using i don't know what he was using but he could see he could see his wallet and he could see the value was sitting at about 12 million dollars now i tell you right now it's probably worth 50 million dollars right now the good news is for him he 12 months later <laughs> he got it he found it right oh that's good and um, that's that's good to hear <laughs> but this happens all the time one of my good friends recently did it he set up a I think a MetaMask, didn't write down the recovery thing. No, it was a Coinbase. Didn't write down the recovery, bought a whole bunch of stuff. And luckily it wasn't too much. But then he's like, hang on, it didn't reload. It's not, I can't access my wallet. I didn't, and it's gone. And, and he just sort of smiled and laughed it off because he's like, okay, that's a big lesson to learn. Please, anyone listening to this interview, manage your backup phrases, which is the whole thing you'll learn when you get into it. Manage your passwords, have it stored, in multiple places, write it on paper, put it in a safe. I don't care what you do, keep this stuff safe because it's on you. No one else can help you. There's no one you can call, but wallets. I use a Nano Ledger X as well as MetaMask. And sometimes I leave things on an exchange. The only exchange I leave it on is Binance because I'm trading a little bit with these things, but I don't like to do that. You know, that's why I bought a Ledger a Nano X so I can actually get some of these things off. But wallets, 
let's talk about that just very quickly. What are your thoughts? Easiest place to start with safe storage. Yeah, it's it's a very tricky conversation because the reality for most people is that the majority of losses of cryptocurrencies aren't because you know, your wallet got hacked or your password got stolen. It's because you lost your password and you can't access it anymore. And so that is the really, really tricky part about self-storage is it's a responsibility. It's not like having a bank account, right? It's a very, very different uh, risk parameter. So when you, you know, you get yourself one of these little devices, right? And you have to make sure that you are taking all the necessary precautions there. So you'll get a 20 forward passphrase. You have to make two or three copies of that. Make sure that they're in different places. Like what if your house burns down, right? That stuff happens. What if your house floods? I remember there was a member of the community who lived in um, up uh, up in Queensland and they had those epic floods a couple of years ago and his house got flooded out, right? Along with his one copy of his passphrase and he lost all his crypto. You know, so you have to prepare for those eventualities. Whereas if you have just stored all your cryptocurrency and you're leaving on Coinbase, which, you know, if Coinbase gets hacked, then there's problems there or they can, you know, whatever, deny you access to your account or something at some point because whatever reason, those things do happen. But for a lot of users, it's, you know, I almost don't even like to say it, but I think for a lot of beginner users, you're safer just keeping your cryptocurrency on the exchange until you you know, figure out what to do. So don't feel that pressure that you have to run out real quick and, you know, get a bunch of wallets and stuff. You have to learn how to use those first. You have to learn the security around those. Take your time with the stuff because one mistake and it's all gone. Yeah, That's the thing you have to keep in mind. One mistake and it's all gone. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of scammers out there who basically are working on your lack of knowledge of this asset class in order to try and steal your money. So, you know, you might have uh, phishing sites or security breaches that happen somewhere, and then you get an email saying, hey, you know, there's been a security breach on your wallet. You have to enter your passphrase here urgently or all your money is going to be stolen and you enter your passphrase and then the scammers steal your money because there was no security threat. But, you know, you didn't understand that because you hadn't taken the time to fully understand the risk parameters of this technology. So, until you feel safe and comfortable understanding how to use a ledger wallet, which these are the most secure way to keep your crypto is on one of these little guys right here. This is the ultimate uh, key storage situation, but you have to understand how to use that and how to keep that safe. So until you do that, keep your crypto on Coinbase. It's not where you want to keep your crypto forever. I'll, keep, I'll, let, I'll let you know that. It's not where you want to keep your crypto forever, but until you're ready for the responsibility, you know, you can keep it there. I mean, put it this way, I've been in this for a while. I did make mistakes. I've sent certain tokens to the wrong address. I've done that before, once or twice. Back in the day, I always used to transfer like $5 or something first every single time. Mm -hmm. Before I went and did a bigger transfer, I still kind of do that sometimes, depending on how, you know, if I've been doing Binance to my ledger, then I don't worry about it so much. But here's this personal story. Like, I don't know how I stuffed this up, but I recently just bought the Nano X, because I had a Nano S, which came before. These are just two little, looks like a USB, okay? And I went, I was doing this so that I could have the Nano X and the Nano S and use the Nano S as a backup. I wanted to have a second one, right? I entered the recovery phrase to set up on the new one, the existing, if that makes sense. So just to kind of access that, didn't work. They said the recovery phrase is not valid. I'm like, what? Okay, that's weird. Now, luckily, I don't have very much on that at the moment, which is good, but it didn't work. I've got this written down in three places and digitally stored safely. It didn't work. 
I have no idea what happened. So even me being super careful, it didn't freaking work. So please be careful if you do get a hardware device like a nano ledger, make sure you know what you're doing. Now, like I know we've, we're hitting the end of our interview here. I know you've got a newborn. You create amazing content. Everyone listening, I want you, please go and subscribe to Lark's YouTube channel. Okay, because I listen to a lot of different people, a lot of different voices. Lark, you seem to me to be the one more of a voice of reason. You know, it's not as, I don't want to use the word flashy, but it's just more, first of all, more gender neutral, your channel. You know, there's a lot of channels which are just so aggressive <laughs> that it's kind of like, I can't even, like I'm a man, I can't even handle the masculine energy on some of these channels, right? <laughs> like, I can't do that. But there's some good people like Elio. I quite enjoy Elio's content. I enjoy your content. Um, but the other thing I've been doing for quite a while is subscribing to your Wealth Mastery newsletter. And one of the things I've tracked from that is the IDOs when these new things are launching. And I've actually got in on some of these and, and made very, very good money from some of that. It's more than paid for my very tiny subscription cost. I think it's 39 US dollars a month or something. Is that right? So there's two amazing resources for you. You mentioned that, that um, podcaster before as well. And we'll mention all this in the show notes, guys. Please go and subscribe to Lark's channel. Please, if you're interested to go a little bit deeper and you want to be a bit more involved and understand some more technical sides of this, subscribe to Lark's Wealth Master newsletter. It is a really great resource. I've got such great tips out of this and not just tips, but a greater understanding of certain things. When you do you know, a good breakdown of different parts of the market, um, you speak to founders of different um, different companies, it's really fantastic. I just think there's one question I've got to ask you before we go because I can't not ask it. Absolutely. Dogecoin, right? <laughs> Everyone would have heard of Dogecoin, right? I think if I didn't mention it, and I, look, I've got maybe 200 questions I haven't got through, right? But I think I wanted to give this understanding of the market first and a, and a basic starting place for people to get involved. But Dogecoin, is that a good place to start? <laughs> look, Dogecoin is a funny one because it's, it's a coin that was literally created as a joke. The founder of Dogecoin literally made it as a joke. So the... Um, the representative of the coin is the Shiba Inu dog, right? So uh, Dogecoin, it's a funny one because for some reason, Elon Musk decided he was going to tweet about Dogecoin all the time, a coin which doesn't have any acceptance, doesn't have any users, except the people who speculate on it. Doesn't no developers. Ha- yeah, no developers, terrible token economics because it just has infinite inflation. And all this stuff. And so this is a, one of those examples of people just investing based on hype. And look, had you bought Dogecoin on January 1st of this year, you probably would have made 50, 60, 70x your money. And that's not based on fundamentals. It's simply based on hype, which actually mm-hmm. speaks to the cryptocurrency industry on a broader scale, because there is an incredible amount of speculation, an incredible amount of gambling, an incredible amount of hype. And when that hype dries up, when the gamblers go broke, then you get end up left holding these bags of things that don't actually have a lot of value long term. So with things like this, be careful, right? It's, um, you know, you can speculate on this stuff. But, um, you know, if you talk about long term investing, talk about uh, that, it's, it's a very different conversation from speculating on a dog meme. Yeah, it comes back to the advice we spoke about before. And that is keep it really simple. If you keep it simple, and you're consistent, and you had a set of rules that you stick to, and you do that for long enough, 
then most likely you'll have a really impressive portfolio. If you get complicated, I've seen this happen constantly. People will start getting excited, start branching out, but they don't fully understand what doing. It, I have not seen that end well once, right? But dollar cost averaging, simple portfolio, it's even me to say, I'm like, I'm going to go back to dollar cost averaging, right? <laughs> um, because because it's it, it just literally, it just doesn't fail because we're talking, well, it could, Bitcoin and Ethereum could go to nothing one day, of course. Sure. But it is definitely the safest thing to do, in my opinion. So guys, you know, keep it simple, manage your assets safely, go and check out Lark's content. In the show notes, I'll list a bunch of other people you can go and check out as well. But thank you for being here. Like I know you've, you you create content every single day or most days. I know recently on a video you said I create content most days. Most. Is that because you had a ba- is that because you had a baby or that is that is indeed. It's been you know not not every day is as predictable as it used to be. So uh, most days. I get it. I get it. But thank you for the content. Thank you for what you're putting out into the world. You are changing lives. I see that in the comments. It's a really beautiful thing you're doing, even though, of course, you get to benefit from this. You're creating your own wealth, but by sharing it, you're actually impacting a lot of people. You've impacted my life. And so I'm very, very grateful for the work you do. And the listeners will be grateful once they you know, check out your content and, and keep it really simple. Thank you so much for joining us and all the best with your beautiful little baby. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Don't forget to head to comparisonitis.com to get your copy of my latest book, and all the free goodies that go with it. I cannot wait for you to read it and to hear what you think. Wow. Wow, 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 guys. I mean, come on. How good was that? So good. I just enjoyed that so much. I could have spoken to Lark for literally hours. We had a brief conversation afterwards and we were just saying like, how do you how do you summarize cryptocurrency in one hour? It's really challenging. So I think... If you guys are interested, we can definitely keep going with this topic and go deeper. But this was a great place to start, a great place to get a 101 and some really cool strategies, which, as I said in the intro, is not financial advice and is just for informational purposes only. But hey, it's pretty cool. Now, my biggest takeaway today would have to be, for sure, keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. I mean, who wants to stare at a computer and charts and candlesticks and all this sort of stuff all day? Some people do, actually. Some people love it. I don't mind a bit of it. I've got a bit of time. I can do it. But for the vast majority of people in this space wanting to get involved, just keep it simple because through this massive market correction, I've seen myself where I would have been if I had just left everything as it was, right? I've been doing day-to-day trading and different bits and pieces. I've had to stay up late some nights. And if I had just left it how it was two years ago, I'd be in a better position because it was just a simple strategy. So that's my biggest takeaway. Keep it simple. And of course, keep it safe. Play it safe. Don't invest more money in the market than you're willing to lose. Okay, that is so important. And one thing we didn't really discuss very much is don't sell at the bottom. Okay, that's how you lose money. We didn't talk about that very much, but you see during these corrections, people panicking and selling at the bottom, losing money. Not good. Not good. You can always just wait. You can always wait and see what happens with the market. So I hope you really enjoy this. I got so much out of this. It was just honestly such an exciting topic and something I hope everyone really gets involved in because it is the future. It's coming. It's already here. It's a bit fringe still. The market's worth, well, it was worth about $2 trillion a week ago, now about $1.6 trillion. 
that's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. It's, it's a big deal and it's only going to get bigger. Now, don't forget to subscribe to Melissa's show. Honestly, I actually get the email alerts every time there's a review. I just love reading them. There's a summary that I get of all the reviews each week and it is incredible to read your reviews. So please do head over to iTunes or your favorite platform and leave Melissa a review. She works so hard to deliver amazing content for you week in and week out. And honestly, the success she's had with this podcast is because she really cares. She really wants to give you guys amazing information. Don't forget to follow Melissa on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini. And if you want to check out my shenanigans and freaking cool dancing, you can head over to at I am Nick Broadhurst because I mean, very few people are as cool as me. Let's face it. And for everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can check it out in the show notes. And there's some really cool, important stuff in there, guys. That's melissaambrosini.com forward slash 399. I've added one more thing in there we didn't mention, which was actually a new book coming out by Laura Shin. And that was the female expert that we spoke about, which Lark really looks up to. And don't forget today to look up. See the beauty around you. See the beauty within you. Be love. Be gentle with yourself. Be kind to others. Be humble. And most importantly, have a beautiful day. I love you heaps.